This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. Do you ever find that you take on different identities? And I don't mean in a nefarious, watching the detectives, film noir, private investigator, thriller kind of way. I mean in a way that who you are at work is different from who you are with your friends, and who you are with your friends is different from who you are at home, and so on. Almost a constant retooling of a single personhood to fit your circumstance that's dependent on your environment. And those changes can vary wildly from entire personality overhauls between a serious work environment and a weekend getaway with old friends, to maybe just what you're willing to share with others versus what you're truly willing to share with others. It's an interesting phenomenon to have this kind of constant idea of who you are as a person until you start to consider it against different backdrops and different times in life, and how you kind of have to change to meet those occasions, big or small. Our guest on this episode of Americana Podcast knows a thing or two about this. Many would know Vince Herman as the guitarist and primary lead vocalist, as well as primary songwriter of the renowned jam band Leftover Salmon. Herman has been playing professionally since the late 80s, and Leftover Salmon aside, also formed and played in the ever-evolving project group Great American Taxi. Between the two bands, Herman has recorded over 10 albums and has toured the world over, while simultaneously developing his festival guru persona. He is somebody. He has an identity. But sometime in 2021, Vince Herman moved from Colorado to Nashville, Tennessee, where he took on a totally new project himself. Partnering with renowned producer Dave Ferguson, as well as a myriad of other friends and session players, Herman embarked on his first ever solo album. Released November 18th of 2022, Enjoy the Ride explores the nuances and roots of country and Americana music as Herman has known and experienced it throughout his life. Everything from Cajun influences to bluegrass picking can be found, but it is undoubtedly all Vince Herman, once and for all. So join us today as our host, Robert Earl Keane, goes song by song with Vince Herman, exploring the parks that make up a musical life and identity. I'm your producer, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, the 51st State. Hello, everyone. My name is Robert Earl Keen, and today it's November 7th. It's a Monday, and we're in Nashville, Tennessee, talking to Vince Herman, founder of Leftover Salmon, probably uh, one of the very first jam bands that really broke out onto the scene and created the whole idea of a jam band. Uh, and um, I know he wasn't born in 
Boulder, Colorado, but a lot of the jam band stuff comes out of Colorado. Uh, welcome, Vince. Hey, Robert. Thanks for having me. This is a huge honor for me. Well, th thank you. And I, I want to just start out with uh, one little question about, um, you don't think 80s hair bands have campfire get-togethers? Is that right? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, you know, I guess I haven't hung out at enough 80s hair band campfires. <laughs> To see if they're well, picking, are there but, any you know, 80s camp, campfires? I don't know. Maybe they're just strobe lights. They stand around. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, you know, I mean, uh, you know, being in the bluegrass culture, you know, uh, and, and uh, bringing that bluegrass culture, a lot of people sitting in and doing that playing together mm -hmm. thing, bringing that to the quote jam band world, you know, I I think uh, uh, allowed for a, a lot of. Uh, of artists to join us in, in, in making music and it, and it makes it real, real present, mm -hmm. uh, with what you're doing. And, uh, that's, that's just something that the bluegrass world, I think brings to rock and roll, you know, mm -hmm. that, uh, you're more than willing to have people sit in during a set, you know? Mm -hmm. And, the, and I, uh, I, uh, I've certainly been around enough campfires after the show that, that uh, you know, where where people play at festivals and all that stuff, and that's what really kind of how the band started in Telluride in 1990, mm -hmm. sitting around a campfire playing tunes. You know, do you have a favorite memory or most interesting experience about a, you know campfire get-togethers? Well, I guess I should tell you about this little tradition we have called anawacking. Ah, nice. Yeah, you, know, you may be familiar with anawack. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. As a woman said to me, young man. I see these people walking around here using Anahuac as a verb. I've been to Anahuac, Texas, and it's nothing to <laughs> sing about. What is going on here? Well, way back in the, in the late 80s at the Telluride Bluegrass Festival, we decided that my friend Carol was asleep, asleep way too early. So we uh, surrounded her tent and sang Christmas carols because her name was Carol, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we clear that we woke up... We, we ran away because we didn't want to be accused of this crime. And uh, we thought, well, you know, that was kind of fun. And so, you know, as you do around campfires, we, we heard this kind of kind of real folky kumbaya thing going on at the campground next door. And we hatched this plan to surround the pick very quietly. And at the given signal, we would start singing the Lost and Lounge Lizard song, Anawak. I know it. And a whack, right. and a whack. Anybody can sing it. It's <laughs> yeah, so brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. There's yeah. no, when you get to the chorus, it's like the more out of tune you are, yeah. the better. It, yeah. Yeah. So we did that. And at the end of it, we, 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 you know, sing about, you know, just the chorus and then we yell, run away. <laughs> and, and so that, as we did that, a couple of folks from the pick we had just, quote, anawacked, went with us. And so, hey, let's do that again. And we went to the next campfire and, and surrounded it. And at the appropriate time, we anawacked them. And there's more people. Next thing you know, there's like 100 people going through the campground anawacking. Hey. And, um, <laughs> and that's been something we've been doing for 30 years. And now I, what I'd like to do, Vince, if you don't mind, is uh, talk about, uh, I think this is your, your first, your solo record that comes out. November 18th, 2022. It's called Enjoy the Ride. Uh, give, you know, give us a summation of uh, 
or or just an overview of what what the record's about, and then I'd like to talk yeah. about you know song by song if we can. Yeah, man. I uh, I moved to Nashville uh, in in uh, twenty twenty one, I guess twenty 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 one, somewhere in one of those years, mm-hmm. and uh, did my first co writing ever, mm-hmm. and and it just opened up a whole new world to me here. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting a publishing deal and and. Uh, getting this pile of songs that i just had to do something with mm-hmm. so i decided to make a record mm-hmm. uh first one all the 33 years i've been doing salmon and and uh the high hawks and great american taxi i've, I've never done a, a solo record so it's sort of a uh a statement of what i've been doing in nashville since i got here and all these uh great cats i've had the chance to write with and uh, it's been a really productive uh, era, I've probably written more in the last year and a half than I have the rest of my life, you know. So, uh, so before that, the the co-writing was just happened to be like uh, when y'all finished anawacking somebody, you might go yeah. write a song yeah. with somebody. Is that right? Yeah. No, you know, I I really just pretty much wrote by myself. Oh, okay. I, I'd never done any co-writing at mm. all, right. and I love to improv improvise on stage, mm. you know. And I wondered if that improv thing would help in the writing room. It mm. it, it really seems to be working. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, this record is a uh, uh, kind of a record of of all the all the co-writes I've been doing here in Nashville, and uh, and also kind of my idea of what country music is to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 bluegrass, it's Cajun, it's it's that that broader definition of what country used to be. That you know, honestly, Americana is 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 stepping into that thing since country is so narrowly defined now. I think. Uh, but anyways, the record. <laughs> well, let me say, you know, uh, I, I really think it's really warm and and very very solid. You know, you know, one of those records that I like to have, which, you know, you can put it on and listen to it. You know, from from the very beginning to the very end, and it just, it, you know, it's a, a good feeling record. It has a good feel, and you had some great players on the record, huh? Yeah, it was way different uh, process of making a record ever. You know, I'm used to writing the songs, taking them out on the road. You know, having having the band know the songs, going into the studio. You know, the night before, I I gave Dave Rowe, the bass player, on the sessions. Uh, you know, uh, some rough recordings of of the stuff, basically the arrangements and songs. He wrote the charts, and we showed up the next day. To, to play it with these people I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. I was freaked out. Number one, I've never paid for a record before uh, myself. And, uh, you know, the night before, man, I was just freaking out. Nobody knows these songs. What What am I doing, you know? But uh, produced by Dave Ferguson, mm-hmm. you know, Fergie. And, and uh, he, he just put together an A-list set of cats. And I, I got to see how the Nashville magic works, man. And, and the results just blew my mind you know great players you know mike rojas on keys russ paul on steel and guitar uh dave rowe pete abbott on drums um daryl scott tim o'brien did a bunch of singing ronnie bowman did some singing um you know jason carter on fiddle and uh bronwyn uh on fiddle on some twin fiddle stuff and uh man and, and my son silas on the record man Hanging with those Nashville cats was just a great thing to see him doing Exciting that. Exciting really. for him? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So were you, like, I, I'm on Dave Ferguson produced it, but were you instrumental in, in working with the production? I mean, you've been in music so long. I, I, I'd have to assume there's some kind of like. Yeah, like you know, we, we had, uh, Dave and I had lots of lots of discussions about, you know, what what kind of I wanted the, you know, the, the feel to be like and, and, you know, what the record as a whole you know, I, I was hoping to, to step in. 
and uh he, yeah he, he he produced it you know mm-hmm. and uh um yeah i think it feels like kind of an old nashville record right know? right well i mean a a, a a new nashville record that yeah. that that sort of reflects some uh some some of the good days of like specifically country music in that uh like I said before, it's really warm, and it's and it speaks to you right there at the speakers, and uh, it just nice. it feels really great. And then the songs, um, you know, r- really solid uh, writing, really great lyrics, the way the words come together, and the stories. I every as in you know uh, in country music and and the history of country music always a story there's almost always a story in every yeah. one of these songs uh, can I if, I if I can I'd like to uh, cut back just to some of the the people that you might have written with that I, uh, I'm just kind of interested yeah. in that yeah you know guys like uh, Channing Wilson mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite cats in town he used to write a bit with Guy Clark mm-hmm. you know schooled schooled right in the Nashville traditions but mm-hmm. the great writer Aaron Raytier, mm-hmm. whose new record for the birds is just one of my favorite records ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Pahanish, uh, I wrote some with Dave Ferguson, mm-hmm. uh, Pat McLaughlin, who Love was uh, John Prine's guy for a long yeah. time. Um, you know, the Davison brothers, mm-hmm. uh, my buddies from West Virginia, um, that kind of got me into town and, and hooked me up with Irv Woolsey with the publishing deal at Wimberley. And, um, uh, those folks, uh, uh, God, Ronnie Bowman, such a great writer and, and uh, singer, and uh, had a real, real good time with him. And uh, yeah, man, just uh, a great pile of cats. I've been really lucky enough to to land in Nashville and and uh, and meet these cats, and it's been a been a great time. So, if we can, uh, what I'd like to do uh, with uh, this new record, enjoy the ride. If we could just go. Uh, you know, song by song, and uh, so the Lost Lovers Eyes. Also, this is kind of the emphasis track or the single from the record. Yeah, this, this single came out in uh, in uh, in mid mid October. Okay, with the record coming out on November eighteenth, and uh, yeah, this was uh, one I wrote with uh, Ferg and uh, Pat McLaughlin, mm-hmm. hanging out in the parking lot behind the writing house one afternoon, and uh, you know. Getting the right with those cats, man, what a treat! Um, you know, and you know, we kind of, kind of started. Uh, you know, I just wanted to tell you know, kind of a boy meets girl kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, that that's that's what we came up. It's, it's definitely kind of got a prineish feel mm-hmm. uh, to it. It's uh, about getting on the dance floor and uh, meeting an old an old lover that you know, kind of uh, pretending like none of that stuff that went south ever went south and like you know like we never even met <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh and jumping back in mm-hmm. uh, and uh it it came out came out pretty good it mm-hmm. it it uh it kind of makes you feel like twirling around a little bit absolutely you know? And, and you know and uh, like musically as far as tempo goes it kind of lopes along pretty well really yeah it's got a nice little little bounce you know I, I, you know, some of my earliest influence were bands like Poco mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, that did that country rock kind of thing that, you know, just new writers, new writers. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, uh, when I was thinking about album art for this thing, I was just thinking, can I just use the Brujo album cover from the new writers and put my name on it? You know, cause that's, that's re- that actually, that album was one of the first things that got me into this 
this uh, I call it hippie country or, or, or what it is, you know, that that's the first thing that really got me down the road into, wow, I really like country music, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, so yeah, I, I wanted to, to give a little nod to that. And I thought the record cover would do that. It, it kind of morphed that you can see some, some similarities to the design in it. Right. We went spinning, spinning around the dance floor. Just like we were made for Holding each other tight We went flying Flying through the night skies Higher than the birds fly Much to my surprise I was looking In my long lost lover's eyes The second cut on the... um enjoy the ride is called flying can tell us about that yeah this one uh is actually the one song on the record i i didn't have a hand in writing mm-hmm. um adam hood and uh, uh um <laughs> roxy handley and i believe uh chris davison mm-hmm. uh, uh wrote this one uh one afternoon at the writing house we were all hanging out and writing in various rooms this came out of it and and i just i just love the the uh the feel of this song uh, it's kind of an ethereal uh thing you know uh, i never knew we could fly you know uh, and it's uh kind of a uh, venerating uh, uh, uh the the relationship you're in and 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 this woman who is a complete light to the world and uh and and how she shines mm-hmm. and uh boy that's a good thing <laughs> you know when, when you you can feel like you're really flying when you're when you're with your part you know? I, absolutely i mean i feel like anytime uh someone else in, inspires you in in that way it's you know it's, it, it's one it's one of the great things that we live for is that that chance to like really be inspired and lifted yeah. you know yes indeed uh so uh we go on to um the ride, so it, the ride is enjoy the ride, and and then as it's written down here, it says the ride. Is that yes. how we're doing it? Okay, yes. okay. So anyway, so from the new record from Vince Herman called Enjoy the Ride, this is called the ride here, and uh, tell us about that, yeah. Vince. Well, you know, uh, it, it. I guess it's uh, uh, um, references of my, all my years on the road and and doing this thing and and. Uh, uh, Sure, it's a little bit of torture, but I've enjoyed every mile of it, really. And I, I feel really lucky to have had all these years to drive around this country. And, and uh, man, I, I think I know it better. And like yourself, I think we know this country better than, than most folks, man. I love every bit of it. And it's not the same at every exit out there yet. You know, that's a really good thing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah. is, that is a good thing. And speaking of that, you know, I think um, – far as i recall first time we ever uh ran across each other was when we split some shows a bit in the southeast uh-huh. at least up to dc with leftover sa- salmon yeah, yeah. and uh, uh that was that was one of the uh, it's very memorable experience for me but it was one of those things like i was a, aware of, of you for certainly a for certain as a jam band is leftover salmon but i wasn't aware of the entire like jam band world and culture and some of the offshoots to the grateful dead and that that Uh business and uh it was 
a true eye-opening experience. And I recall what we would do would be trade-off opening. Like uh, I, I would open for y'all one, uh -huh. one, one time, and then the next night y'all would open for us. And I, I want to say those audiences that we had, as much as it looked great on paper, it was a little weird. <laughs> was, right? Yeah. Right? And we played down in Birmingham, I know, and in Atlanta, and in D.C. I remember seeing you at the 930 Club, I think yeah. it was there. Yeah. 930 Club. And, man, you had it going, dude. It was like, there was like... You just had like these people following you like you were the guru. And I was like, Jesus, man, who is this guy? He's the guru, you know? It was it was something like I'd really never even been exposed to. And uh, But, I mean, every night, as far as like when y'all played, you set them on fire. Well, you know, we're, we're really lucky to uh, have been able to build a, a little bit of a culture mm -hmm. behind it. That, you know, as, as you know, you, mm -hmm. you, you build these little... Uh, little musical bubbles you you travel around in and, and ours is full of some pretty fun people who, who really like live music and and will support it you know uh to me jam band kind of just means that people with hair will be there at your show <laughs> yeah you know because musically there's no real even common thread you know mm -hmm. it's 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 a cultural thing mm -hmm. and we feel really lucky to have, uh, have built that culture mm -hmm. i like to say i'm really famous but only a few people know it you know, <laughs> you know, you know. I, I'm, I'm going to borrow that. Yeah, okay, well, that, you know. that, that that is the word. Well, look for for our Americana listeners or anybody that's listening. Can you kind of give us an overview of the the jam band culture, as far as like, for instance, like it, it, like you say, if they don't totally cross over, what what is some of the what are some of the common threads? Uh, uh, a willingness to to improvise mm -hmm. and and you know take that solo around a, a couple times. Mm -hmm. um, so I not unlike jazz in some ways? In yeah, way? definitely yeah. Yeah. jazz. And, and, you know, bluegrass has a lot of those elements too, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we, we take it a little, a little further and, and make it a little more rock and roll than a, than a bluegrass band would. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and just, you know, with the addition of drums, mm -hmm. it takes it a bit out of that that genre. And, you know, really we... we uh, we started in Colorado in 1990. Uh, I had a, a, a Cajun jug band kind of thing. And uh, the guys in the left-hand string band had a progressive bluegrass thing. And we put it together for what was going to be one show. This is the yeah. Eldo in Colorado? The Eldorado Cafe yeah. in yeah. Crested Butte, Colorado. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, so the combination of a bluegrass band and a Cajun band uh, kind of was haphazard. Mm -hmm. uh, um, then we came up with that stupid name combination left of the left hand string band and the, <laughs> and the salmon heads right. um, you know we didn't know it would last this long we certainly could have thought of something better um, uh, it's not going to be confused yeah. with anything else yeah. I'll say that yeah. <laughs> but you know having drums in a bluegrass band mm -hmm. you know really made us uh, uh, be able to access a lot of different markets that you know generally a bluegrass band wouldn't play mm-hmm uh, and we were really lucky in that at the time in Colorado, people were willing to listen to that mm -hmm. and get rowdy. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. those first shows in Crest the Butte, the the older of the tune we played, you know, like the more trad, old you know, old time tunes that we hopped up. You know, mm -hmm. people would start slam dancing, you know, mm -hmm. and just flying over the floor, and and, and we we'd never seen that kind of reaction, mm -hmm. and we were really lucky to be in the right time and place to. Mm -hmm. have people react in that way mm -hmm. uh, 
So, you know, bringing the bluegrass with drums to it, it just made sense at that time. I guess love shows your life in colors and pieces, helping you out of your darkest eye. The starlight above the mountain beneath us, and I never knew we could fly. Oh, I never knew we could fly. Continuing to keep on going down the sequence, uh, one by one, um, uh, this is called Coraline, and you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, uh, sort of a Cajun influence. This yeah. is definitely a Cajun influence. Right? Yeah, you know, this song uh, uh, was inspired by uh, a dance I had when I was 20 years old. I was at the Augusta Heritage and Arts Festival in Elkins, West Virginia, which is a six-week festival. They have a blues week, an Irish week, an old-time week, a bluegrass week, a Cajun week, and a dance week. Um, this was uh, Cajun week, and I'd, I'd hitchhike down there for the weekends and, and hang out and hitchhike back to Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, and, and I was sleeping on the porch of this <laughs> of this mansion where they had these jams, and, and Dewey Belfo was playing mm -hmm. with uh, Larry Miller and a bunch of, of these Cajun cats, and I, I met Dewey's daughter, Christine, and we were waltzing on this porch and she's singing these French lyrics in my ear as we're dancing. And uh, I just, wow, it just blew my mind. I've been a fan of Cajun music ever since. And, and uh, yeah, I, I never forgot that, mm -hmm. uh, that dance. And uh, uh, thank you, Christine. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, you know, the names were changed to protect the innocent. Uh, and the, the name a of syllable. the song is Coraline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah, it 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 uh, basically uh, you know talks about about that dance and and uh, um, you know, holding holding that memory. Uh -huh. And uh, I wrote this one with Channing Wilson. Uh -huh. uh, I, I, it's a waltz, I, right? It's a waltz. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a waltz. Uh -huh. And, and I, I I told him this story, and he's oh we're we're going after that uh -huh. one, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it came out real good. We got Jason Carter and Bronwyn Keith Hines uh, doing twin fiddles on this, which mm -hmm. is, they just play together so beautifully, you know. Um, yeah, really, really excited with how that came out. And, you know, Hank Williams was playing country music when he debuted on the Opry, right? You know? Country yeah. music is Cajun music. Okay. Oh, de de definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jambalaya, you know? I mean, it's yeah. fantastic. Uh, I, I, we were just listening to, oh, God. What were we listening to the? Uh, we were just listening to uh, Doug Kershaw and Louisiana Man because I, I, I was talking about how I think Louisiana Man truly, if you want to start getting like to the very core, the origin of some of a, what people would consider Americana, although it's regional, it's certainly it's certainly embedded in that world of uh, American life still being somewhat agricultural and living off the land and also yeah. actually bragging about it. I mean, that, you know, that's what's uh -huh. going on in Louisiana, man. He's bragging about this lifestyle instead of like, you know, trying to disavow it or saying we're moving to the city. Right. It's fantastic. So, and I, you know, I'm kind of a Doug Kershaw fan anyway, but I, I love music that celebrates that, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and especially when you combine it with food, it does the same <laughs> thing, man. Uh, that. <laughs> That's 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 the What's ultimate your cookbook right coming there. out, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've searched every dance hall, like Charles the Baton Rouge. Every time I'm in town, or I'm just passing through, I follow the fiddles, looking for you, Coraline, Coraline, Coraline. 
All right, so uh, we're moving on to this. Is feels somewhat like a R and B song, but it still seems to be uh, hinting, hinting at some of the 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 Cajun influence a bit. The rattlesnake. Yeah, this is kind of a, a swampy, you know, uh, you know, swamp pop swamp stuff pop. that you know did yeah. that kind of thing. I wrote this with Phil uh, Philip Lamons uh, from the Blue Dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe remember them. Mm-hmm. But um, great writer, and uh, you know we. Uh, um, I, I think I think he just can't had the title this cane break rattlesnake, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, a, a dangerous, it's a dangerous attraction. It's it's about uh, meeting this uh, this dream kind of in a dream kind of scenario in in the in the in the sugar cane, and uh, you know, careful what you wish for when you encounter a dream like that, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, she can strike at half a body length. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that line. I thought that was, I, I had to go back and say, now she, she's saying half a body length. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Went back two or three times. Like, yep, that's what he said. Okay. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, uh, for me, a really colorful lyric, you know, I mean, very visual song. I mean, just like right yeah. there, you know, you can you yeah. see it. It just, it's really great. And you know, live it's a it's a chance for the band to really get into some jam, some jam. <laughs> yeah, you know, when, when I've been out uh, touring, you know, well, doing the songs off the record, and and you know, the first first set we played, you know, we were done with the album in about forty five minutes, and I thought that would be the whole ninety minutes of the show, man. I, I'm mm-hmm. forgetting these aren't jam band songs. Right, right. Yeah, you know, right. whoa, right. whoa, I guess we better fill in the rest of the set, boys. You know. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of jam band band things, uh, back back to your band, Leftover Salmon. I'm I was looking through this uh, some of your discography, and I have a t- couple of questions. Uh, number one, you you seem to you seem to be almost competing with Spinal Tap in the world of having as many players over the the, the yeah. what is this. 32 years of, of leftover yeah. salmon, right? It'll, it'll be 33 years this I counted this 20 years. players. Is that yeah, pretty that's, close? Yeah, that's probably about right. <laughs> yeah. Probably about right. And and, and But the fir- first one was, was a real tragedy. It was Mark Man. Man Mark, Mark Van, yeah. Yeah, Mark Van. And and uh, I remember seeing y'all be- before he passed away. and yeah. that, uh, But that was a real connection with, between the two of you, correct? Yeah, uh, Mark and Drew and I were, were kind of the, the, the triad that mm-hmm. you know really kind of was at the center of the band. And, mm-hmm. and Mark did a lot of our business stuff. And... And you know, it was kind of the the guy who had his shit together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a great uh, banjo player, right? Great banjo yeah, player right. and a songwriter and and uh, a, a dear friend. And now, when when cancer took him, it was it was a hard blow to the band, and we mm-hmm. we we kind of struggled along you know, as Mark wanted us to uh, for about a year before we took a break for a couple of years, and just you know. It's spiritually pretty dang challenging to to carry so. on with that. But, um, but he that offered point. up that you should keep going. Right? Yeah. Is that right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that was, he, he insisted. That was amazing. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, we, we 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 took a little pause and and mm-hmm. and that that was that was good for us. And then, um, you know, we started getting some festival offers a, a couple of years in to you know come back and do a thing, and and it felt so good to get back into that catalog of tunes and mm-hmm. and playing. We, we we decided to rev it up again. Yeah, and I see mention of you speaking of festivals that you're like Mister Festival, or you have, you have some kind, you have some other than anawacking people, you have some kind of uh, 
festival title is that festival (laughs) someone's got to say that it's not a festival yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but you know this this yelling a festival thing actually comes from star trek uh, 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 an episode called The Return of the Archons where they land on this planet and everyone is walking around proper Victorian sort of uh-huh. of mode and, and they're waiting for the red hour. Yeah. Are you here for the festival? The red hour will be coming soon. Do you have rooms? Rage has got rooms. And everybody's waiting for the red hour and they're, you know, Spock and james are walking around like what's going on and the red hour strikes the clock and everybody starts ripping off their clothes and yelling and fornicating in the streets and and a guy dives through this window and breaks all the glass stands up and just goes festival (laughs) and uh that's that's where it came from be careful what you want to even careful what you think she could hypnotize the devil strike it half a body length when the little country's boiling out on blackwater lake she'll be slipping and sliding on up through the break she's sweeter than the honey any honey bee could taste she's a dangerous attraction Rattlesnake. Let's talk about any other way. It's this. No, well, on this sequence, uh, it's uh, the I don't know fifth, sixth track yeah. right there, yeah. right, right after Rattlesnake. Yeah, another one I wrote with uh, uh, Pat McLaughlin and uh, Ferg. Um, uh, uh, Pat came up with this this chord progression, mm-hmm. and uh, we just kind of kind of vamped on some things, and then kind of. It's so it's so sad that he's so limited musically and rhythmically, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, he's amazing I know, I agree. such a great session guitarist too I you know i mean god that flavor is just just great uh, i love that he's fantastic this is another one that came out of the parking lot session we mm-hmm. we wrote lost lover's eyes and uh in this one in, in one afternoon mm-hmm. and uh this is uh you know it's kind of a, a bit of an autobiographical thing it's it's done in almost like a dixieland mm-hmm. kind of kind of feel um you know it's just uh just about uh, years on the road mm-hmm. seen too many highways seen too many bars mm-hmm. spent too many a cold night sleeping in this car and the mm-hmm. same thing i did yesterday i'm probably going to do again today mm-hmm. i wouldn't have it any other way there you and, go. and and that's uh that's kind of what i've been doing so the dixieland uh the the dixieland feel in the song is is emphasized or magnified by the fact that we using some horns here, or this yeah. is all fiddle stuff. Yeah, we we uh, we finished the tracking here in, in Nashville, and uh-huh. and I, I suggested Ferg. You know, man, I think I need to send this to New Orleans to have some buddies yeah. put some uh-huh. some stuff on here. And uh, he's like, I don't know, Vince. There's a lot on there already. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, I sent it down to my buddy Jake Eckhart from the New Orleans Suspects, and mm-hmm. he got some cats to throw on some stuff that I think that just takes it right overboard. And it sounds really authentic. That's it wasn't like I mean I've heard other other records where you know people go well this is kind of how Dixieland sounds you know and mm-hmm. it's you know it's a real specific thing. It's like bluegrass <laughs> fiddling is always explained. It's hard to explain to say like bluegrass fiddling is not like. Texas fiddling it's not like this kind of fiddling right, right? it's not like dance right. fiddling it's bluegrass fiddling yeah. and and Dixieland is the same and man it's it's got some things that are you know real obvious but some nuanced things and that one they nail it as far as I'm concerned I love New Orleans music man we are mm-hmm. all as uh, you know as our musical culture is so indebted to New Orleans and mm-hmm. and, and I spend a lot of time there soaking mm-hmm. it up and mm-hmm. it, it, it comes out mm-hmm. you know a, a buddy of mine uh, uh, told me one time, you know, I mean, it was after Katrina. I was down there and uh, talked to some folks about how, how the recovery was going and, and that. And then the guy said, uh, you know, you can wash out the bridge. You can, you know, do whatever. As long as there's somewhere to stand in this town, somebody will be standing there and playing music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's just how the, how the town rolls. So leftover salmon, did you play there a lot? And more specifically, did you play like jazz fest and that, that kind of thing? Yeah, we'd play during jazz fest and Mardi Gras and all that stuff. Never mm-hmm. was part of the the real festival, mm-hmm. but you know the House of Blues, the Tipitinas, mm-hmm. you know the warehouses. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my favorite night was uh, we had Ernie Cato come sit in with us one night. Mm-hmm. Cato wow. is just wow. an amazing cat. Yeah, okay, no amazing cat, and uh, I. I it's it's a little bit body of a story, but you know Ernie's on on stage and he's he's doing this medley and and he's got to get out to make this flight to New York and his his wife and his son are on the side of the stage, he's got to go out and just do one, he, we do mother in law and then he launches into mercy mercy me and he's got like three or four songs in we're trying our best to follow him and there's this this girl in the front row, and she's just reaching up you know the whole time, Ernie. and then in between songs he's got like you want to touch me. You want to touch me a little bit? <laughs> and, you know, it goes on and on. And his wife's, like, trying to get him off the stage. And, you know, and uh, this girl's getting, just really wanted to, to touch Ernie. And at one point, she whips off her shirt and climbs up on the railing. And Ernie's, oh, mercy, mercy. Good God, girl! You're going to put all that up on the railing? <laughs> you know, it was just, just, just one of those moments, you know? <laughs> This one uh, is called I'd Rather Be Alone, which I like the way the words fit together here. And I, I really like the um, the whole uh, the, the whole idea behind it. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, this uh, this one I wrote with Ronnie Bowman um, right as I got to town. Um, ended up uh, renting a house right kind of next door to him and, and uh, bumped into it, did some writing, and... Uh, this I was I was, uh, had recently completed my third marriage, successfully completed my third marriage, <laughs> and uh, you know the, the, 
I, I was telling you know there's that point where you know you're with someone you kind of feel you know you're out on the road and you can't wait to get home and you know and you get there and you just feel more alone than you did on the road mm-hmm. you know describing that feeling all right let's go let's go chase that one down mm-hmm. and uh that's what we did uh, <laughs> to, to tell you the truth mm-hmm. and uh yeah you know uh We've, uh, but I mean, it's honest. It's an honest statement. That's what I yeah. liked about it. Like the whole the song. It was, yeah, know, it's it was definitely serious. digging into the reality of of, of heartbreak, you mm-hmm. know, and and that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it sure feels good to get it out, mm-hmm. get it on paper. Sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah. And isn't it funny how, like, you know, uh, even even sad songs or or you know pensive pieces, uh, you know, can it can hit us and stay with us better and longer than like you know like real cheerful jump you know happy jump up and down not that but in a you know in a good way not in a bad way well you know i i think a lot of my my 30 years and and putting out music has has been a lot of joyful Mm -hmm. jump up and down kind of stuff which Mm -hmm. i'm all in favor of Mm -hmm. but you know uh coming to nashville and digging into this writing thing you Mm -hmm. know you, you get to mining a little deeper than the than I ever have, and mm-hmm. this is certainly one of those mm-hmm. times. When you come to Nashville, and I can attest to this, it's a whole different world, and it's about co-writing, and it's about getting together with people, and it's about creating communities of musicians and songwriters, and uh, you know what I'd want to ask you in that way is like number one, like when you first stepped into a uh, co-writing situation. How did how did you how did you set yourself up for that? You know, I'd I'd always wondered if if my improv kind of thing I like to do on stage would work in a writing room. Mm-hmm. And uh, my buddy, uh, the buddies Davison brothers, set me up with uh, a, a pal writers one day to mm-hmm. to do uh, you know six or seven guys coming in at different times of the mm-hmm. day to to write some stuff and and. I couldn't believe how how easy it all came together, you know. <laughs> I'd be writing a song and you know, I'd get to the, I can't quite figure out the second verse. I'm going for a bike ride. Yeah, you know. And so you have a million quarter written songs laying around you never finish, man. But in Nashville, Don't man. Don't talk about that. <laughs> you know, you, you finish the song. You you have a session that they're generally about a 4-hour window and mm-hmm. You come in, you're going to get one song. Sometimes you leave with two in that time. But one thing you know is you're going to leave with a song, mm-hmm. and that was a that was a real help for my my process. I tell you. And then you get stuck. Somebody else comes with the with the line, and mm-hmm. oh, there you are. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's it's great. You know, sometimes you come, uh, you know, with something you want to write for, or you know, a particular artist. You're you're kind of writing. Uh, for like i never knew you could write a song with someone in mind to do it i thought songs just kind of fell out of the sky mm-hmm. but you know in, in this context oh yeah uh, uh andy frasco even wrote a few songs for him in this kind of group writing thing and we were all thinking of frasco things mm-hmm. to do and, and and that experience just blew my oh yeah you can mm-hmm. kind of guide Mm-hmm. Uh, where this thing's going, they don't just all fall out of the sky after Bob Dylan misses one, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah, that process was was really eye opening for me, and uh, I just I just love it. I, I kind of just want to stay in town and and write mm-hmm. all the time now. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know all my weakness. 
We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with our interview shortly. Here at Americana Podcast, we would like to take on the challenge of defining and expanding on what makes Americana music Americana. From verse to chorus, band to solo, past to present. We're able to do this with the help from our friend and music enthusiast, Will Vogt. This is Will's Pick. It is said that timing is everything. That is true in the life and particularly in the music business. The career of singer-songwriter Jesse Winchester is a good example. When his first album was released in 1970, all the arrows were pointing in the right direction. The record was filled with evocative, soulful ballads that showcased Winchester's songwriting ability. Recorded in Toronto and produced by Robbie Robertson of the band, Winchester was backed by Robertson as well as Levon Helm on drums and mandolin. Having two members of the band, which was arguably one of the hottest groups at the time, on your first album didn't really hurt the cause. On release, the album was immediately embraced by rock critics and musical insiders. Rolling Stone gave Winchester a front-page write-up, and there was a good reason for all of this praise. The album was filled with southern-based, melancholic songs like Brand New Tennessee Waltz and Yankee Lady. All of these captured Winchester's plight as the exiled southern drifter longing for his homeland. The quality of these songs immediately established him as an important voice and brought him an enthusiastic following of fans. And that's when the timing started to go wrong. Winchester was living in Canada for a reason. Although he was born in Mississippi and grew up in Memphis, he left for Canada in 1967 to avoid the draft. Thus, touring to support the album was out of the question, and unfortunately, his big moment faded away. Winchester didn't give up. He continued to write songs and make albums for over 30 years. When the draft amnesty was signed by President Jimmy Carter in 1976, Winchester was free to tour the stage again, which he did until his death in 2014. His reputation as a songwriter continued to grow as many established artists started to cover his songs. One such song is A Showman's Life. Winchester released this on his 1978 album, A Touch on the Rainy Side, and it has been covered by the likes of Gary Allen and Willie Nelson, Buddy Miller, and George Strait. King George covered A Showman's Life on his 2011 album, Here for the Good Times. It is a song that has deep meaning and seems to capture the essence of a much-covered topic, the allure of the spotlight and the pitfalls and downsides and the chase of the life of a star, as well as any song written. Seeing all of these covers, the admiration for the song has plenty of company. A Showman's Life may not have made the charts, but it is still Will's pick. And uh, after I'd rather be alone uh, is called a song called Better Way. Give us that one. This one came out of the first sessions uh, I had uh, co-writing my, my buddies, the Davison brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, set up a day of uh, of rights with you know six or seven people throughout the day, and and uh, we'd written six songs already that day. And wow! Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, we we started at ten a.m. and around. Around around eleven p.m., we we were about six songs in, and uh, um, Levi Lowry was writing with us on that session, and uh, Chris just said to him, uh, "Levi, you look like you got you you got one in you, and you know, like we were ready to pack up and go." And he says, "Well, you know, I, I got this line, man. We're 
where have all the good days been? Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's chase it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and we came up with this, uh, the kind you wish that would never end, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And so we went for uh, for digging into those days, and mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, it turned out to be the seventh song of the day was <laughs> was the one we were That's chasing it. all day, you know. Right. I, and so, I mean, when you get to uh, these writing sessions, does it make any difference to you if there's a, just one other co-writer or there's several co-writers? Um, no, you know, I've, I've done, you know, quite a few, you know, two of us writing mm-hmm. and, and, and that's fun. But, you know, it can also be fun with four, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, if there's four people riding a room, one guy's is playing playing a guitar or something you know it's not everybody sitting around having a guitar pool you know mm-hmm. it's it's somebody kind of guides guides it melodically and and you 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 throw in um lyric ideas and then kind of you know kind of prod the melody along you know but you know the, the process is is just amazing to to sit with people who do this every day you know a couple sessions a day you know, guys like Sean Camp or something like that. You know, it's just, it just blows me away the efficiency with which, you know, they get to what what needs to be said. Yeah, and over yeah. the years, uh, I find sometimes writing with y- younger writers, they're really adept at the whole internet thing, and you get like a verse and a chorus, and they whip out the old computer, and they're like, okay, let's just sing into this, and you sing into it, and then you go, okay, let's get another verse, a bridge, and look at chorus, right? You know, that yeah. kind of thing. You, you experience that? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's pretty great. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you get a, a decent demo at the end of end of the thing because, mm-hmm. you know, somebody knows how to push them buttons good. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? <laughs> Which <laughs> is just beyond me. I'm yeah. such a Luddite. I'm still looking know? for, is this my number two pencil? Yeah. Or is it... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me share this note with you so we can all work on the lyric together and and all the corrections go to everybody. I'm like, wow. And we are uh, at um, Lately, is that right? Lately, yeah. Yeah. This is another uh, Ronnie Bowman and uh, I believe Kyle Tuttle. I think Dave Bahanish was on on this one. Uh, This is a four-person, right? And, you know, it's, uh, you know, kind of about jumping in the car, bare feet out the window. Kind of heading out and doing that type of travel that, that you and I don't get to do too often, which is just going nowhere in particular. Mm-hmm. Usually we get in the car and we got six hours to, to get to Marpa, you know. That's uh, kind of a grind, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Just the whole thought of it. <laughs> you gave yeah. me a headache just in this. Like, yeah. <laughs> but just to go jump in the car and go mm-hmm. see where you end up, mm-hmm. you know, this is a song kind of about that, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. We're just, we're just going where we're going. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. go there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's it's kind of a bluegrassy mm-hmm. kind, kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. kind of an up tempo. I noticed that, and uh, all across the board, and enjoy the ride, with the exception of a couple of songs. There, there is a bluegrass feel in a lot of the sort of stuff, specifically uh, uh, created by some of the acoustic guitar stuff that's going uh-huh. on there. But but also the fiddle things, you know. So, uh, you know, yeah, you know, being a big fan of bluegrass, I, I really like this kind of country music. I'm a lonesome prisoner myself, Robert. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know uh, yeah. You know, the grass grass runs deep. You know, mm-hmm. I, I guess really, I I had a, an epitome, uh, a revealing moment when I was a kid. I was in, in like, I think seventh or eighth grade, and I went to the Smoky City Folk Festival in Pittsburgh, and 
saw like 40 people standing underneath this tree mm. playing this old timey tune mm. and it occurred to me that these people didn't know each other mm. and here they are doing this thing and all of a sudden the social aspect of music became clear you know, mm. i've been playing for a bunch of years but mm. it, it occurred to me wow if i learn these tunes then i can go pretty much anywhere and mm -hmm. find the people that do this and have instant community mm -hmm. but revolving around music i want to do that mm -hmm. you know and and so uh that bluegrass share in the music thing is has always you know kind of been driven been driving me to 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 do this stuff you it's know? absolutely one of the greatest things about bluegrass and it's always you know i always get to it about fifth or sixth down the line about talking about bluegrass with somebody uh, but in some ways, it's the most Im important thing because that, you know, really, you know, you're here's here. You're from Portland. You're you're from Pittsburgh. Somebody from Portland, Oregon, Portland, Maine. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you step up, and you all know all the same tunes, and you just play, and you just, you know, you hang and you play, and you here's another one, and here's another, and you know, depending on the depth of your knowledge, yeah. it can go on all the way to the dawn yes right? indeed yeah it's a great thing about bluegrass i love that the people up at dawn are always the smartest people in the room because <laughs> <you know? laughs> they didn't run out of songs yet yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? that's exactly, absolutely yeah but oh i believe it in the morning sun will rise another day Getting down to the last three songs on uh, Vince Herman's new record, Enjoy the Ride. It's a solo effort that he made in Nashville, Tennessee. And this one is called Old Pictures. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is a this is a song that uh, kind of, uh, you know, I'm 60 putting out a solo record. Mm -hmm. I'm out of my mind, you know, to finally <laughs> to start a new project and all this stuff at this age. But, you know... Uh, you know, you, you, you create uh, moments in your life that, you know, sometimes turn into pictures on a wall. You know, the, those those golden moments you really want to hold on to, you know. And, and you know, so I'm picturing that wall and, and realizing that at some point people are going to be looking at that wall have no idea what those days were and what those moments were. And they're just going to be old pictures and, and you know. Eventually, it's going to be in the thrift store sitting there in the bin, and people are going to say, I wonder who that is, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So it's that kind of sentiment and tune. And, and you know, I, I, uh, it's a song I played for my kids, and we just all cried. You yeah. Know? You know, the first time I played it for them. And because and, uh, it talks about, you know, having the kids come up for a visit so we can mm -hmm. put some pictures on the wall, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, the uh, the song uh, by the time it was done in the studio it it, it 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 surprised me i thought this would be kind of like a tearjerker thing but it kind of came off as a, like a tom petty rocker mm -hmm. and uh i'm i'm, I'm kind of glad that mm -hmm. the the syrup uh content kept low you know <laughs> sure, yeah well, you have to be careful of that sort of do content. Yeah, you do I know, I know that sugar sticks to you a long time you that know like sweeted lava yeah <laughs> So let's wake up in the morning, give the kids a call, have them come up for a visit. We'll 
First of all, I, I want to ask you, like in the world of sequencing, not as it is as, as important as it used to be, but it's still a great way to hold on to like how you think about a, an entire record and how you think about in terms of like what song fits where and that business. And, and when you actually sequence this record, uh, my... I'm guessing um, that there's some real intent about like your last couple of songs that you put on there. And can you just talk about these and how you wrap this thing up? Yeah. You know, um, it was, it was a little tricky. Uh, 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 this, the, the last two songs, the one's kind of a bluegrasser thing that we, uh, that we, we put some, some sounds of a live audience on. And I really thought the record was going to go out with that. But, um, last song drinking alone uh is a kind of a slower country ballad kind of thing and and i had to separate that uh, uh enough from uh, i'd rather be alone mm -hmm. uh you know another and, song and, on the record yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and and you know to to kind of keep that thing going so uh, we ended up putting uh, all out of love songs which is the bluegrass thing with the live uh, the fake live audience thing right. going on um, Don't tell him that, Vince. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds good to me. I was, yeah. I kept going. Is are we, are we live? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, we, yeah, here's we, the festival guy. Yeah, man. We, we brought a thousand people into the studio yeah. to do a little bit of a live audience. Actually, what what, what drove us to do the uh, the live audience thing on all out of love songs is we we put a key change in at the end at the end of the song, and you know when you play the opera and you do a key change, you get an obligatory round of applause. You know, so Ferg's like, hey, well, if you're going to do a key change, we need to put some applause there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so we had to do a dull thing mm -hmm. with the, the audience, mm -hmm. uh, kind of Graham Parsons uh, you know, <laughs> style, mm -hmm. fake audience, you know. Um, but yeah, that one I, I wrote with Aaron Raytier is one of my favorite, favorite cats I, mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier. Um, and uh, yeah, all out of love songs, you know. Mm -hmm. And then drinking alone, you you uh, and this is like a good closer in that. That's yeah. I mean, pretty much tries to recap a, a, the record and what you've done, right? Yeah, kind of a, a record, and and you know, uh, I call I, it winding down. By yeah, the way. yeah, yeah. It, it's a winding down, and, yeah. and and you know, if uh, if you are sitting in your living room having a having a cold one and listening to the record. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought it might match the curtains, you know, so to speak, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, to be hanging out and uh, drinking a cold one by yourself and mm -hmm. and uh, trying to prevent yourself from calling your friends and waking them up at three in the morning, you know. Well, like yeah. I said, really great record. And uh, lo I love the uh, I love the consistency and the warmth of it and how, you know, just song by song. They all stick together well. There's no like, what the hell's going on in this song? You know what I mean? Not that I don't like a really great surreal song every now and then. Yeah. But at least it's got to feel like it's surreal and something's really happening there, right? But this is really great. All the songs really are uh, well written and, and put 
and well presented, you know. So, yeah. congratulations. Well, thank you, man. Yeah. I, and I owe a lot to to Fergie for uh, mm-hmm. putting the band together for this and and uh, really making that feel come through. Butterflies and butterflies send me off to sleep. And the ones about the future, if I don't get in too deep, but I'm oh out of love song. I'm done with spilling my poor art on the page. Well, I'm over getting done wrong. Man, I'm all out of love song. Well, we've talked about uh, Enjoy the Ride with Vince Herman, his new solo effort. And we would be remiss in skipping uh, this part about Americana podcast that we always like to talk to talk about, which is uh, we are uh, we we want to ex- define and expand uh, and explore the notion of Americana music. So uh, let me start with this: uh, your definition of Americana music. Well, you know, in the context of this record, Americana music is all that stuff about country music that country music ignores now. <laughs> you know, because it all comes from that same deep well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Bill Bill Monroe started bluegrass music out of out old time music. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, bluegrass music kind of morphed into country music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it, it kept splintering and splintering and getting narrower and narrower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Americana can can encompass all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, as Amy Lou Harris said, it's a deep well. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, thank God we can we can dig into it. It's gonna, you know, it's it's gonna remind us that all those exits aren't the same out there. That sure. that mm-hmm. you know you've got Zydeco and Cajun and Tex Mex and mm-hmm. Conjunto and mm-hmm. Daniel and mm-hmm. and. Polka. I grew up, you know, thinking you couldn't get married without an accordion. You know, <laughs> you know, in in Pittsburgh, man, it's polka bands all the time. You know, yeah, you know, um, you know, Americana can can embrace polka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know, like the Texas Tornadoes or something. Sure. You know, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's it's all those things that that we love that really came out of this particular stew we have mm-hmm. here in this country. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's exportable around the world right you know americana in australia you know Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's it's beautiful and and it comes out of out of the dirt Mm -hmm. so uh, when you mentioned about the comparison between country and americana uh i'm not sure because this is and this also uh speaks to your uh mention mention of the accordion but i really uh uh kind of my own personal line crossing is country music went somewhere else that it kind of left me behind uh, with, oddly enough, Dwight Yoakam and Buck... Uh, sorry. Uh, with Dwight Yoakam and Buck Owens's version of Streets of Bakersfield, which I just love the hell out of that song, and I love the whole production and everything. And after that, I just never heard a song that like really did that, you know, talked about, you know, like a really hard guy and a really weird, weird situation. Yeah. And I don't think, I think lyrically they quit doing that, like putting those kind of songs out there. And, um, you, that, that's my, that's my biggest objection about it. It's like, like you say, narrow and narrower 
it's not speaking to a lot of us these days. And it's not because I'm older or anything. It's just, it's as narrow definition. And uh, the other idea is like, um, I believe that Americana uh, being the deep well it is also is a deep well with a uh, with a broad entryway. You know, it has a lot a lot of stuff going on there. And I, um, in that way, who would you consider the quintessential Americana artist, live or dead? Doesn't matter. Wow. Well, you know, of course, you know the the quintessential Americana guy is Rob Bleedstein, you know, who <laughs> yeah. walked off the street and started this chart called the Americana chart right. at Gavin, right. you know, um, God, you know, uh, maybe it's Jerry Garcia, you mm-hmm. know, I, uh, maybe it's, I mean, I, Jerry covers a lot of ground in yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's Robert Earl King. <laughs> I mean, uh, seriously, man, the the the, the stories that and, and you you cover so much of, of that ground that mm-hmm. I that I speak of, you mm-hmm. know, um, man, you know that's that's a real that's a really hard question. Well, while you think about that, yeah. try try this. And do you have like, say, what you would consider not the quintessential? Maybe it's I'm putting too fine a point on it, but a, a really great representation of a great Americana song. Like I said, past, present, future, that kind of thing. City of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Steve Goodman Steve song. Steve Goodman. Mm-hmm. You know, um, great song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, boy. Yeah. Man. I like yeah. Tear Stained Eye, by the way. It's one of my. Yeah. I, I, it covers a lot. It, and it also talks about the past and things like that. Tear Stained Letter is a great yeah. one. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know, right. Absolutely. Bringing that. that you know, Richard Thompson doing Tear Stained Letter, you know, which is, you know, kind of Cajun-y, you know, and have some British guy doing that, you right. know. I mean, that's Americana. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> British guy doing a Cajun song. Right. <laughs> Rumor Rumor and Sai has a pretty wide yeah. breadth to it, you know, and you think, uh, you know, he's got, he's got Don't Step on My Jimmy Shan. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. What I, what I read about love, right? Yeah. Pretty far apart, really. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Psycho, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I I, I listened to a whole lot of Cat Stevens and mm-hmm. and James Taylor, you know, and and yeah. hell the Eagles, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that's that's Americana. Mm-hmm. Um, I also understand you're a real uh, John Hartford fan, right? Huge John Hartford fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I live in Madison, Tennessee now. Just, Do you just, really? Just like John. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. I mean, he, his, there's a song title. Yeah. Just like John. Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Vince Herman, for being here and uh, and sharing with us uh, the, uh, the the whole spectrum of Enjoy the Ride. All anybody has to do now is listen to it. Go download it, yeah. buy it, whatever. Is there an LP version of this? Yeah, yeah. I'm yes, gonna sir. get gonna have some vinyl and mm-hmm. CD and digital stuff. You can go okay. to lowhighrecords.com. Okay. Big thanks to Low High Records, man, oh. having having the guts to put out a record mm-hmm. on some some old guy. Uh, uh, you well, know. <laughs> no matter man it's a great record doesn't matter got one last question for you vince this is this is uh one we ask everyone and i'll here's the setup we here at americana podcast the 51st state think that it's almost a crime that the beautiful instrument known as the b3 is called by almost a military nothing against the military but 
almost a military name, the B3. Can you give us uh, an idea? If you were the guy in charge, if all of a sudden someone called you up and said, here's the red phone, Vince, pick it up and, and, and find out what's going on, and you say, they want me to rename the B3, what would you rename it? Obviously, the humdinger. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're looking for something to put on a song to just make it fat and sing, man. You need to add the humdinger. <laughs> that, that might move to the top of uh, memorable ones that people can remember. You know, right. Anna Whacking, the humdinger, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We've been Anna Whacking with Business Herman, and he's a humdinger, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being with us, Vince Herman. This is Robert O'Keen. Americana podcast and for Claire Rose our producer we want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in and we hope to see you next time see you in the future wind blowing in your window mirrors staring at the past no final destination no roadmap on the day we're just going where we're going And we go there all the time Lately we ain't been there lately Lately we don't ever mind At this time, we would like to thank our guest, Vince Herman, Rob Bleetstein, and our host, Robert Earl Keane. Americana Podcast is brought to you by Keane Productions. Recorded, edited, and produced by Claire Rose, with original music by Kim Warner. Until next time, let the music play.